welcome church family to our online service. No, nah, just joking. You actually didn't freeze. <laughs> I was wondering if anyone actually got up and tried to see if their internet had stopped working. If you did do that, don't worry. Nobody else saw, so you're all right. Today, we're actually diving back into our uh, series in First John. So what you're going to need for today is a Bible. If you have one, you can grab that. And then also, uh, very importantly, is a soft heart inwardly. That's one of the key things that you're going to need during this time. So just give you a moment just to prepare those things and get ready for um, this message uh, on the online service today. Let me read from 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world... The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Well, it's been a while since we've been in First John, uh, but you may remember um, going through this book as a, as a church, and we're now here in verse 12. And uh, it's an interesting sort of passage, um, and it's it sort of, it, you read it through it and you sort of think, is John all right here? Like, it, it just seems a bit out of character, a bit strange for him, a bit, you know, if you consider the rest of his writing, you know, what he's written in this uh, letter, in other parts of his uh, gospel, for example, this section where he talks about writing to little children, fathers and young men, it's sort of, it, it's a bit strange. Like, he repeats himself at some points, and you sort of think, John, you just said that. I, I read that already. Like, why did you need to say it again? There are some things that are a bit uh, sort of unusual in this passage. But uh, some things that uh, some of the translations don't pick up is that in the Greek language, uh, when John says, I'm writing to you, the first three times um, he says that, he uses the present tense. So I'm doing it now. I am currently writing to you. And the second three times he uses the past tense. I have written to you or I wrote to you. And that is a bit of a contrast that's important to draw out. You see, he's saying that I'm doing it now, but I have done it already. This is the way that I'm teaching and instructing you. And one of the other things is unpacking the reason why he's writing here. I'm writing to you or I've written to you because. Because why? And there's many things that he talks about, and we'll unpack them briefly in the moment. But I want you to notice each one of the reasons that he gives are all things that are already done. None of them is a, something that is yet to be done. For example, it doesn't say, I'm writing to you so that you get your sins forgiven. Or he doesn't say, I'm writing to you so that you are able to overcome the evil one. No, he says these things are already done. You have overcome the evil one. You know the Father. And because of this, I'm writing to you. Well, let's have a little bit more of a closer look at some of what he's uh, saying here. In verse 12, he says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. 
It's interesting when you think about that. Often when we think about forgiveness of sins, we think about ourselves and how it's such a blessing that we have been forgiven our sins. But actually what John is saying here is that the sins are forgiven for the sake of God's name. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but what that is doing is revealing the character and heart of a God, that he is a God who wants to and even desires and loves to forgive sins as he is able. And so when our sins are forgiven, it's not only for us and for our blessing, it's actually for the sake of God's name and that his character is revealed and we can see him more clearly. He also writes to fathers and to children that they know him who is from the beginning. They know the father. And we know when we read John, when he's talking about knowing, it's not just some knowledge of a factual, yes, I know these characteristics about God or I know um, who he is. No, it's actually a deep and intimate knowledge. Even like John 17 verse 3, where he writes, uh, he records the words of Jesus and he says, this is eternal life, that you know the only true God and the Christ whom he has sent. And so it's this knowledge that John is talking about, that we know the Father and that we know him who is from the beginning. He also writes in verse 13, that the evil one has been overcome. And that is why he writes, if you turn over the page in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says this, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Do you see that? That Jesus, the purpose in him coming, one of the purposes was that he would overcome all of Satan's works. And in that, as we are placed in Christ, we also have overcome the evil one. And then at the tail end, he finishes off saying to the young man, I write to you because you are strong and because the word of God abides in you. Now, clearly strength here is not talking about a physical strength like they've been to the gym or worked out in some way like that. No, it's a spiritual strength. At the moment, often with my daughter Hadassah, uh, I'll be going around uh, the house and I'll be doing something and I might need to, for example, open a jar and it's very hard or difficult. And when Hadassah notices that it's hard for me, she'll say, Jesus is really strong. He could open that. And I laugh and I say to her, actually, you know what? Jesus wasn't the strongest man physically to walk the earth, but he definitely was the strongest man spiritually. And this is the type of strength that John is talking about here when he says, you are strong. He also says the word of God abides in you. And this is talking about the son, Jesus Christ. He is the word of God, the living word, and he abides in us. And through that, we have that knowing of the father and the son and that relationship there. Well, you might know a lot of this already. You might know that the evil one has been overcome. You might know that your sins are forgiven. You might know um, that you are strong in the Lord. And these things might not be very new to your ear at all. But I want to ask this question. Are these things new to your life? What do I mean by that? I'm asking, do you see this in your life? Do you see that you overcome the evil one? Do you know that with your life, with how you live? Do you see that you know the Father? that you know the one who is from the beginning? Do you know with how you live that you are strong? Because this is why John has written this letter. This is the purpose that he is trying to fulfill and to say, look, these things have happened, they're accomplished, and I'm writing that you might know them and walk in the reality of it. A good way to reflect on this is to ask yourself the question, in my heart, can I truly say that I am thankful to God that I have overcome 
the evil one and that my life is living out the reality of that? Can I thank God that my sins are forgiven? Can I thank God that I know him truly in my heart? And if you can say yes to that with truth, then you can see, yes, I'm walking in the reality of these things that John is writing purposefully to the church about. Now we come to verse 15. And you notice here that he says, do not love the world. This is actually the very first time in the entire letter that John has given an instruction. He's given a command or something for us to do. Everything else so far that he has written has been about truths and unpacking the implications of it. For example, he says, I'm writing these things that your joy might be complete. Or he says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. You see how he's unpacking truths and the implications of it, and he's bringing clarity. He writes at one point already about a commandment, but he doesn't mention what the commandment is or say, this is the new commandment that you... No, he stops short of that. And so in chapter 2, verse 15, this is the very first instruction that he gives. And it is this, do not love the world or the things in the world. You might wonder, well, what is the world? That's a very um, abstract sort of concept, perhaps. Is it, you know, the creative world and what we can see in nature, the things with our eyes? Or is it um, something more, a bit more unseen, something of a spiritual nature, perhaps? What is the world? Well, if you read carefully, it actually gives us three very good points that help to define what the world is. In verse 16, he says, All that is in the world is not from the Father, but is from the world. So the things that are of the world are not from the Father. The world is not from the Father. He says in verse 17, the world is passing away. That's another way of defining the world. The world is passing away. And he says the things in the world are these, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so if you put all that together, it gives you quite a helpful, clarifying definition of what the world is, as John is terming it here. It's those three desires or passions. It's anything that is not from the Father, and it is things that are passing away, coming to an end. This is what the world is. But you see, John's issue is this. He's saying, do not love the world. It's about loving those things. It's about loving things like that. For example, would you say that you love things that are passing away, that are coming to an end? Are those things that you love? Or do you love things that are not from the Father? Perhaps a bit more confronting and something that we would like to deny, at least in the quietness of our hearts, is this. Will we say that we love the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life? Are these things that you love? And you might not know the answer to that, or you might already know. You might already be feeling uh, the conviction of the Holy Spirit inwardly. But John's instruction is to not love that. And if you're wondering, do I love the world in these areas? You can have a look at the fruit of that in your life. For example, how do you spend your money or how do you save your money? What's happening there? Do you find that the love of the pride of life or what you have in your possessions impacts on how you use your money? Do you see the love there for the world? Or do you see the love for the world in maybe the movies you watch or the sports that you're involved in? Again, not saying these things are wrong, but the love of things that are passing, the love of things that are coming to an end, the love of things that are not from the Father. 
or eating out. This is a desire of the eyes, you know, how good is that plate of food or I'm really wanting that. My flesh craves and desires that and there's this sense of gratification that comes from eating. Are these things where you have stumbled and fallen into love and you have not realized it? Because I tell you what, they are all passing away. And you have a look at our society right now with the coronavirus. There is about, in our city of Melbourne right now, 1,000 people who have had the virus or currently have it in a city of 5 million. And you have a look at how much that has impacted on our society, how much is it, it has changed, what we spend our money on, what we eat, <laughs> how we eat, when we eat, um, the sports that we're able to watch or not able to watch, um, the movies, all of these things are massively impacted. And you can see that they're so deeply impacted and it points to these things actually passing away and coming to an end, these things that are of the world. And therefore, we have an opportunity before us as believers to clarify how much have I actually been loving and investing myself in the world? Because these things are coming to an end and they are not from the Father. Paul, he um, wrote in uh, the end of his uh, letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, he said, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. And you can see from that how people have deserted doing the will of God or the work of God and serving faithfully in order to follow and to love the world. Have you done that? Can you see areas or times in your life where you have actually been prevented from doing the Lord's will because you have loved the world so much and these things have become such a significant thing in your life? Have you had clarity around that with things being taken away through coronavirus? We can read also, James has some very strong words about loving the world. James chapter 4, verse 4, he writes this. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. He's not mincing his words there. This is clear cut. We cannot have friendship. We cannot love the world. There is no relationship there between what is in the world and what is with the Father. They're completely separate. And we need to live that out in that reality. Perhaps even more confronting or closer to home, uh, at the end of... Uh, John's letter, 1 John 5, 19, he writes this, We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Isn't that confronting? That if you are loving the world, you are putting and investing who you are, your very life, to the extent that you are loving, in the power of the evil one. That's why it's crucial that we cut this off, that we don't live out that reality. And I want to ask you, Right now, test your heart before the Lord. Do you find yourself, as you're reflecting on these things, denying your position, denying what's happening? Do you find yourself saying things like, oh, look, it's not that bad, or I wouldn't really call it love. It's actually more of, you know, it's something that I like. Do you find that kind of denial jumping to your mind right now? Or perhaps a justification? Do you look at your love of the world and say, actually, it's good for me. I need it. It's something that I enjoy. It's an outlet. It helps me relax. 
do you find yourself justifying at this point in time? These could be things pointing to the Holy Spirit prompting you. And he will only be able to enter into those places and do good work if you let him. So I encourage you, just reflect on this for a moment. Pause a bit, catch yourself. Remember I said at the start, come with a soft heart to God. Have you still got that soft heart right now? Because if you do, I want you to open it to the Holy Spirit right now. Consider your life and your love of the world, if it is there. And ask the Holy Spirit to use the Word of God, which abides in you, to bring the clarity. Because you see, as John's already written, the Word of God abides in us, and that's why he's writing. And so because that Word abides in us, we're able to know and to see clearly that our sins are forgiven for his name's sake that we have overcome the evil one, that we are strong, that we know the Father and the one who is from the beginning. This is a place where the rubber hits the road. The reality is there. Are these things being lived out in your life, these truths, they are true, whether you hold to them or not, are they being lived out in your life and finding expression that you are able to be liberated from the power of the love of the world? And overcome. It's interesting, John closes the verse in verse 17 with this Whoever does the will of God abides forever. You can see there that that is what's going to remain. That's where you want to put all your eggs in that basket. Whoever does the will of God, that's what's going to remain. That's what's going to abide forever. So consider that. Because at whatever point we love the world, we are not doing the will of God. But when we love the Father, then His love comes through us and in us. And that is what He's desiring. May the Lord bless you.